0: Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ. And today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at colomunda.church. All right, let's get into it, hey? Got your hearts ready? Cool, cool. Well, we've been looking at devoted and we're staying on Acts chapter 2 and verse 40 and there's this section where the church is born and we're looking at a healthy church. You know, there are healthy signs for a body and we are a body and we need to be healthy and last week we looked at the, the devotion to the Word of God, the Apostles' teaching and how we can't be... Christians that are dying of spiritual starvation and that a sign of no appetite is a sign of an unhealthy believer and a sign of not a healthy appetite for God's word is a clear indicator something's unhealthy on the inside and so I hope God's giving you that hunger and that appetite for his word and let me read it to you on the screen Acts 2 40 says this with many other words Peter he warned them and pleaded with them to save yourselves from this corrupt generation those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And then notice before verse 42, if you've got the NIV, there's the little parenthesis. says, the fellowship of the believers. Notice what he's about to say in verse 42 is all in the context of the fellowship of the believers. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. And there's a sermon coming next week from Pastor Tim about that line there. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. This is the fellowship of the believers, and it's so easy to read over it very quickly, but if you, if you dive into it and think about this for a moment, that, that 3,000 people in one day um, repented of their sin, were baptized in water, received the Holy Spirit, and were devoted to one another. In one day, 3,000 people, in one day, there was a mega church born, the church, and considering that all these people were from different places, uh, different regions, uh, different, different backgrounds, and they all come together, they wouldn't have known everyone. They wouldn't have just been like this. They wouldn't have known everyone in the church. Um, and what's really astounding to me is how these people that didn't really know everyone, how they loved each other, the way they shared with one another. See, God was truly doing a unique and special work here. I mean, for people who don't really know each other to sell their own property to give to others in need. Uh, People to be sacrificing their lives for others, sacrificing what they have to help people, um, to be intimately connected, to pray for one another, to break bread and not just have communion pre prepackaged on a Sunday but to break bread and just on that not every week we love having communion every Sunday but there will be times where we won't have it on a Sunday when there's other things that God wants us to do and highlight and that's okay because they didn't do it just on a Sunday it was from house to house it was part of their life breaking bread uh fellowshipping together but I just found it astounding that how could that happen I mean, you don't see that in a 24-hour period. A whole group of people that don't know each other suddenly give their lives to one another. And it is because of the supernatural spiritual work of what the Holy Spirit can do in a community. It's not like the footy club. It's not like the sporting area. It is something supernatural, the fellowship of the believers. As, this is the church in its purest form when we read this. This is really what, the beautiful picture of the church. And I reckon Jesus' words would ring true when he said, uh, By this, in John 13, 35, by this all the world will know that you are my disciples. Might be on the next screen, I think. By this, all the world we know, you are my disciples. If you have love, this is amplified, and unselfish concern for one another. Jesus was saying, you wait and you see, the greatest evangelistic tool to reach people for Jesus is a community of people that actually love each other. That is the fellowship of the believers. You know, it's not just going out and preaching the gospel, it's being the gospel with one another and how they treated one another was so noticed. See, the word fellowship, um, is derived from the Greek word. How do you say it? That's right, just like that. Koinonia, and it can be defined as holding something in common. Um, it's used all throughout the New Testament. Um, And it describes the unity of the spirit that comes from Christians with shared beliefs, shared convictions, shared behaviours, shared values. And when these things show up, these shared beliefs, values, convictions, when they show up in community, that is actually what fellowship really is. It's the word partnership, the word shared. It's not social, it's spiritual. Um, and a healthy church is devoted to fellowship. It's not just, uh, you know, I grew up in a church where we had a fellowship hall. But that often there wasn't fellowship in the hall. But there was conversations, there was talking, there was social connection. But that doesn't qualify as fellowship. Fellowship is deeper. Fellowship is, is a deep uh, connecting with one another where you're, you are actually giving and receiving In a shared way. So, I want to give you three thoughts this morning. I want to give you the basis of fellowship, the fight for fellowship, and then the blessings of fellowship. Are you with me? The basis of fellowship is not uh, horizontal, the basis of fellowship is vertical first. Uh, Fellowship comes from when you have a relationship with Jesus, the natural response is to have relationships with other Christians. Um, I love what it says here in Ephesians 4, 3. It says this, make every effort. So that's something we can do. We need to make effort. It doesn't happen on its own. To keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now, what word kept appearing there? One. We say all, one, and all, (laughs) one and all. But yeah, it's all right. You're teaching me. I'm teaching you. We're giving. We're sharing. We're partnering. It's good. But 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 the basis of fellowship is oneness around somebody. It's not oneness around theology. Because some people think I can have fellowship with you, and you can have fellowship because we believe the same thing. Not yes, there's a sense of this in the essentials we do believe the same thing. But our theology in this room would be very diverse on a whole lot of range of topics. And 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 you know you could all agree with me, and we'd all be right. But if you if I not really, I I, I don't hold. We hold the essentials as oneness. And Jesus's heart and his prayer and his high priestly prayer was that believers in generations to come would be one as he is one with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, different but oneness. And that's the basis of our fellowship, that it is around Jesus and the gospel. 1 Corinthians twelve twelve says this, "...just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body." whether Jews or Gentiles slave or free and we were all given the one spirit to drink even so the body is not made up of one part catch this but many and i love that oneness there that the basis of christian fellowship is jesus christ himself with no add-ons but we are all a part of the body and that's important to know that that you are precious in the body of christ we are not all just the mouth you know, it's not a mouthpiece. We, are, we need hands and we need feet. And, and as someone said, I think it was Nick, we we're having a chat. We need livers to detox things and toxins and get out of our system. And, and we need, oh, I could go through lots of body parts, but I won't. But we need, to, we need everybody knowing that they are part of the body. That we are one body and the head is Christ, yeah? He is the one, he is the head. And um, so really the basis of fellowship is really all around oneness, around Christ and around blood. See, we are family because of blood. And it is the same blood that flowed at Calvary on that cross, the same blood for every different type of person that was there when the church was born, the same blood for whatever colour skin a person has, the same blood for whatever political views they have, the same blood for whatever, whatever they come from, their background, the same blood even for Collingwood supporters, the same blood was shed so we, you, we can accept everybody. But it's important to know that is our basis That it is the blood of Christ that makes you family. You know, your relationship with God will never, ever, 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 ever be in doubt because of blood. You never change there. But your fellowship with God, sometimes that can sort of fluctuate a little bit, but on our part anyway with, with, with where, we're, where, where we're at and what we're up to and we're struggling with things and we feel like fellowship, but, but our relationship is all, and that's why we've got to come back to that foundation. When you take communion, you're celebrating, I have a relationship and I'm just recognizing, Lord, I just want sweet fellowship. I want nothing between us. I want, I want, it, you know, I want it to be pure. I want it to be holy because God said one thing in the Bible that is not good in the, in the beginning. And you know what he said? He said, it is not good for man to be alone. That's the one thing. Everything was good that God created. And as we look at fellowship, he wanted us to have fellowship with him and one another because it is two-dimensional. As you have a fellowship with God, relationship with God, you naturally want to have relationship with family. Because he said it's not good for man to be alone because uh, he, he needs to be in community where he was created for. Isolation and aloneness are the first step towards being vulnerable to the enemy. If the, it's the sheep that is out of the flock that loses the protection from predators. It is the Christian who is out of fellowship that is vulnerable to the enemy. And let me tell you, the enemy is not just playing games to hurt you. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy your destiny. And so when he sees you get out of fellowship, yes, he's like, that's, that's where he is now. You are vulnerable to the enemy. And by the way, as we're going to see, fellowship is not just being in the room, this is not necessary. You can come to church, but still not have fellowship. You can go to a connect group, and still not have fellowship. It's a really a matter of your heart. Are you really connecting in? Are you sharing? Are you giving and receiving? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to guide your relationships? Because the devil wants you out of fellowship. There is protection in it. As I get to my second point, the basis is that. But the the fight for fellowship is so important. The fight, I believe, for fellowship and And I say that word purposely as I was preparing this week because I feel like in the the world we live in and in our generation, it is a fight to maintain that spirit of unity, to have that that sense of fellowship. Um, I think like, I remember when I grew up, TVs um, started to get bigger. Uh, Anyway, uh, TVs, you know, started small and then, Everyone would get a bigger TV and then get a bigger TV. And when I was growing up anyway, that TV, and you know, I can't remember, I tried to look for it this week. I could not find it online. There was an article written uh, to, that a lot of churches and Christians and bulletins um, published about the 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 stranger you let into your house and the influence that stranger has and you don't even know he's there but he's he's dictating culture and he's dictating beliefs and it all goes back to the TV and I remember when I grew up I wasn't allowed to watch Home and Away that was like a real big thing and we were like I'd go back to mum and say mum everyone in my class watches Home and Away and my mum said I don't care if everyone in your class is jumping off a cliff or whatever I don't care what they're doing you are not watching Home and Away and we never got to. And it just Back then it felt like it was sort of uh, dictating our culture and our beliefs and what was acceptable and screens got bigger and bigger. But, you know, the thing about TV screens, at least, at least they're generally communal. <laughs> at least generally you're in a group setting or can be uh, often in the lounge room. And then something happened and I think the enemy loves using, I'm not against TV, by the way, I'm not against screens, but uh, if you just think about the enemy and, and what he does with fellowship. And how he wants to get into our minds, and how he wants to dictate culture and beliefs, is that something shifted years ago, and screens stopped going for get bigger, and they started to get smaller, and then they got smaller and smaller and smaller, right down to being so small that they could. the The idea is that if it can get small enough, it can get you to uh, listen, to look in private. It can get you on your own in isolation and uh, it can dictate culture and beliefs and maybe it started with MySpace. I remember MySpace back in the day Um, and things were evolving but one thing is common as the screens got smaller. The thing that is really in common is that uh, more people could be more isolated and more private in their lives and only connect with community that suits them. Only accept what they want to accept and hit that button. Only consume information that aligns with their beliefs. Block and reject what you don't want in your life. And in a sense, they can, that can shape our Christian fellowship because the screens get smaller and smaller and smaller. And then our worshipping of God actually becomes, excuse me, we actually can then project who we are what we look, want to look like, what we want to be seen as, what people will think of us. And the smaller the screen's got, the bigger our God on the inside of us, we become God, God. And I'm not against it. I'm not against having screens and phones and being on social media and all that. But can you see the ways of the devil is to isolate, to get you vulnerable, where you can just delete your history and nobody will know what you're consuming because you're on your own. You're not in fellowship. You're not in community. You don't have anyone to talk to. And you're a sheep outside of the flock. And the devil is looking right down the barrel at you. Fellowship. And I just think it's a powerful thought that biblical faith is never private. Your relationship with Jesus is personal, but it is not private. We are called to a deep fellowship with one another that breaks down this private, I've got my own little faith sort of thing. It's not biblical. It's just not true. And I'm sorry if I'm stepping on your toes and getting into your room, but it's just not true. You are called to be a part of a body. You are called to be a part of a flock. You are called to embrace true fellowship. It says this in Hebrews, and let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as we see the day approaching. I love that. The, the, another translation says not, not giving up meeting together because it's more than church attendance, fellowship. Fellowship is really not about church attendance. It's about heart connections. Um, but I love how it says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Don't forsake coming to church too. That is a powerful point. But the assembling, it's a building term. God is building something and don't forsake your part to assemble together. That's why in the Bible, if we're going to live out the one another's and forgive one another, love one another, bear with one another, help one another, forgive, share, all the one another's just cannot be done on my own. It has to be done in the context of community. It's where we get together with one another, and that's what fellowship is. It's a one another. It's giving and receiving. Fellowship is sharing what you have, and it's not done with a private worldview. I just think that's really important in this culture we live in. I remember when I first, uh, me and Sky were first year married, and we connect, got into a Connect group, and we were really blessed in this Connect group that it was multi, like generational. There was not just our own age of young 20s, but there was all generations. And I might have told the story before, but what really hit me about that connect group was I was full-time sheep shearing. So when I would rock up there, I'd often wear my shearing pants, my, the dungers, and they would often have cuts and holes all through them. And so obviously I was wearing them enough for one of the ladies who was running the group uh, to notice and said, you, you, you know, what's going on? And I said, oh, I miss the wool a lot. You know, I'm trying to get the wool, but I often miss and I get my leg I get my pants. And uh, she said, oh, well, would you like me to... Um, Sew them up for you. I'm really good at sewing. And I'm like, really? Because they're really expensive pants. And I'm like, that would be fantastic. So next week, I brought 12 pairs of shearing pants. <laughs> it's a true story. She was just, she's like, oh. I said, yeah, you offered to help with the shearing. Yeah, no worries. So she did them all for me. Saved me thousands of dollars. But I, what I loved about that is in the context of community, you can see things that God puts on your heart. You can see needs that need to be met. You can be see, see fellowship is that deep connection of sharing. And if you're not in that place to be seen, you, you, you want, you'll miss it. And it's not just physical things like that. It's spiritual things. It's words of knowledge. It's words of wisdom. It's healing gifts. It's, it's not things that won't happen just on a Sunday service, but in a smaller community. The way to combat the world with screens getting smaller is to get into a small group and be connected and accountable. That's the way. That's God's weapon to fight against it. Fight in small groups. Fight in connections. It says, Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. So we don't want to be that church that I heard, I read this quote. Uh, In church we can often suffer from koinonitis. I don't know what koinonitis is, but it sounds like a rash. But it says here, Koinonitis is a fellowship that is turned in on itself. Clicks and enclaves and tight-knit groups that become like cul-de-sacs of relationship. The difference between the life-giving sea of Galilee and the salty enough to float on Dead Sea is that the Dead Sea has no outlet for the life water flowing into it. So intimacy without intimacy leads to stagnation and death. And so if you are in in a church and it's all just coming into you, and nothing's coming out of you. You're in a. You, you've become a, a swamp. I'm sorry to tell you, but you're a swamp. <laughs> but we don't. We don't want swamps. We want, want you to be released today to know. The good news is it, this is going to. This is a church at Kalamunda where we want to do better at community fellowship. Will always be a part of our vision. Well, and and even. Um, with, with our Connect Groups and things which we are looking to try and fire back up this year, there's more of a hunger this year, more of an appetite, um, and soon we're going to be showing there are certainly some things that already exist. So very soon we'll be highlighting what exists for opportunities for Connect Groups and what is on the horizon. If you don't know Claire, just down here, give me a wave, Claire. Claire is coordinating our Connect Groups, and in Term 2, we would love to see um, some more opportunities. There are already some that will be available Uh, and different types of groups our vision here at Kalamunda is not just all to have theological Bible study groups but to have groups of different types Um, different 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 things that are happening so that's going to be highlighted and i say that to you to also say if you've been coming along for a while and you feel like you want to give out in that space and you could either facilitate or lead host facilitate a group please talk to Claire please say that uh, because we want to do better this year and really trying to encourage that community does that make sense And that is how you fight for your fellowship. Amen? And I'll finish on this point in a second, is um, the blessings of fellowship. The blessings of fellowship. This is really important. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, you know, the V formation of geese that fly. It's fascinating, isn't it, when you look up there and see how geese or even other birds, they fly in this V formation. And there's been some studies done in science in aerodynamics uh, that have come that came to light years ago uh, but it's inter- i want to give you a couple of thoughts about about these this v formation uh, number one is that birds that fly in a flock in a v formation can fly 70 percent further than when they fly by themselves That's incredible. On their own, they can go so far. But when they get connected in a flock of others, they can actually go further. They can go 70% further if they choose not to fly alone. You have to quit trying to do it on your own. You have to resist trying to be the lone ranger Christian. You have to resist trying to trying to say, oh, I don't need anybody else and get connected to a flock because I want to tell you, we're going somewhere here at Kalamunda. We've got a long range view. We've got a view to reach this city for Jesus. We've got a view to see people come to know Jesus, to see people discipled, to flourish. You should see what's happening at youth group at the moment and just the just the, the buzz and what God is doing in the youth space. We've got, we're going somewhere. Get a part of the flock and you will come further with your... Your life, if you get into the flock, your life, I believe your business, I believe your marriage, I believe your relationships, I believe your kids will go further than trying to do it on your own. 70% maybe, more than that even. Come on, you can go further. I know for me, the connections I've had in church ministry and just in being part of churches, it's all connections that have set up my futures. Like It really is. It's God in that connection space. And so I think it's a powerful thing. Don't fly alone. The Bible says two are better than one in Ecclesiastes. It says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, if one falls. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. It's all about being connected. Someone once said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You don't become what you hope to become. You become who you hang around with. So true. And so in a community of finding like-minded people, here's the good news. You don't have to be friends with everybody. You don't have to love everybody in that deep connection. But my prayer is, as a pastor is that you would find some key connections. You might know your lifestyle might not fit a group that meets on a night and you've got young family. It just doesn't fit you. Well, my prayer is still that there would be a space and a place where you find people that you connect with, that they connect with you. There's a like-mindedness there that's what i love about this church is we're not into rules and religion and you've got to do it this way and you've got to sign up no we believe that the spirit of god can move can grow people can lead people and we just want to facilitate that but um two are better than one sometimes we've got to cut some ties don't we and actually say you know what i I have got this group of people that i'm with but uh, they're really not helping me at the moment you know some people say oh it's so easy to be a christian when you're just with christians and so what it's meant to be. That's the way God created us. He says, you're meant to be in the flock. It's unhealthy to be totally surrounded by people that don't share your faith, that don't share. You've got to be out in the world, for sure. I'm all for that, being a part of the world. But it should be easier when you're in the flock. It should be something about it that helps you, that empowers you. So don't never feel, oh, it's all right. we're just all Christians. <laughs> it's all easy. That's how it should be. You will go, okay, next, second point. I love these. i am going to get back to the geese. Here we go. Is that, the second blessing of being in a flock with this V formation is that um, when they fly in V formation, uh, the geese get what is called an uplift from the geese in front of them. And so what actually happens is if one geese is flying, if, you were to, if they were to fly directly behind it, uh, the, the, they would get a downlift. It would take them down. That's why we're not into hiding in isolation. It takes you down. But what they do is they move to the side to the V, and they go in that V formation. That's where the, there's an uplift. And so what actually happens is that bird that bird net behind him doesn't have to flap as hard. So he's not flapping as hard. So he's got more energy. He can go further. It's uh, more economical, and he's riding off the uplift of the person in front of him. So I want to challenge you: Who is the goose in front of you? We all need a goose in front of us. And I just happen to be in front of you this morning. And I hope that when I get an uplift, when God does something in my spirit, when something on Sunday gets said, the Word of God brings revelation, you can get on under my uplift and you can get more power in your life. For the Holy Spirit but it's not just Sunday it's when we get into connect groups when we get in relationships when you get get with other people the Bible says as iron sharpens iron so one person sharpens another when you're in formation you won't have to try as hard but the power of other people and what they've been through get around someone that's raised those kids through teenage years come to my help please Get around that. someone who's been there and done that. Get around someone that's been through, been through that divorce and they're, they're, they're still trusting Jesus and, and they know what it is to, to get back into connection with God and to God to be their source. And get, get around somebody who's been there and, and get in their uplift. Get around them, hey? And they can be that uplift for you to be able to encourage you, to sharpen you so you don't go dull. In fact, on your own life is dull. Dull. But we want to be sharp. And lastly, I'll finish on this if Luke wants to come back up in the team or whoever. Um, I love this about geese is that they look out for, other, for the hurt ones. And this is a great place to finish. So I think where the Holy Spirit wants to minister. When a geese falls out of formation and maybe is sick or hurt, geese instinctively, at least two, are deployed to go to this ge- goose, this geese, and to be with the dislocated bird. And stay with the dislocated bird until it either dies and be with it there or it is healed. And then they will fly together in their own 3V formation to bring this dislocated bird back to be located in the flock. And we need to have a heart for people who have been dislocated and, um, to be relocated to the body. It's nothing more painful than a dislocated shoulder. Nothing more painful than living life, if you were to live life with a dislocation, but people do it spiritually all the time. They live it and they just go with the pain and there's a dislocation. Could you imagine doing that physically? Can you imagine a doctor saying, you're saying, it's all right, I'll be in there in two weeks, book me an appointment. No, you need to, you need to get that thing right now. And it will bring peace to the whole body. And sometimes we don't do that spiritually. We just go around with offenses. We go around with dislocated relationships. We go around with harboring bitterness. We go around with, with uh, disconnection from fellowship and we're living below God's best. And my heart is not condemnation. My heart is just to be another goose to come alongside you and say, hey, I'm with you. We support you. We love you. Come on, I want to help you get back into the flock. That's the heart. Not to put you down, to lift you up, to be restored. I'm not talking about chasing after people necessarily, but I'm talking about a church, catch this, that is more focused on preventing the fall than having a cure for it. And that means being devoted to fellowship. While we can't be close with everyone, I'll pray that everyone finds a someone. That's my prayer, that everyone has a few someones. And maybe you know people and you're like, gee, this sermon's for them because they're not here today. Maybe God's calling you to be that goose, (laughs) to go to their aid, to be a church for the hurting and it's okay. To be a church where things don't always go right and it's okay. Like I fully expect this year, I'm not waiting for bad things. I just this life, we are people. We are going to stuff up and fall over but we have Jesus and we can get back up again and we have some beautiful goose in this place that can pick us back up again. I heard the story of a pastor and he was around at one of his um, church attendees places and he hadn't seen him in church for quite a few months and they're sitting there and they're talking about the reasons why and he just said, he just said, I've just lost my spark. I've lost my fire for Jesus. I'm just not feeling it anymore and it was a winter's day and the story goes, they were sitting in front of the fireplace and the pastor just... Uh, got his attention and grabbed the fire tongs and there was this black cold bit of coal just sitting outside the fire and he just grabbed it and he just put it back in the fire they finished up the conversation and he come back to church that week so the story goes because while you're out of the fire you're not burning it's in the environment it's in community where the holy spirit will light that fire on the inside of you so if i could encourage you with one thing that i've learned in my journey I think ministering in five different churches, being a part of other churches and itinerant churches, is just the key word is in Hebrews. Don't give up. Don't give up. Stay with it. Just go the journey and watch God be faithful as you just don't give up. You might have been burnt. You might have had something happen. You might need to forgive. You might need to release, but don't give up into being devoted to fellowship i'm going to pray a blessing over us and i just feel to leave it there today we're going to head out to lake lege and have some fellowship which means connecting together and uh, sharing together and i'm looking forward to that if you can make it out in fact if anybody is heading out sort of straight away and you've got room to put one of the church flags on your ute in your car could you just take that and uh, bring it back one day that'll be good but we're going to head out there. But I want to pray a blessing. If you're comfortable to stand with me, I want to pray a, just a, a ceiling of what I've been speaking about. And then as we close our eyes, and, and I just want this to, um, just to be a moment where Holy Spirit can just minister in your heart. Holy Spirit, would you just speak to open hearts? drop into open spirits, deposit something that you want to say. You'll know it's the Holy Spirit when it's edifying, building you up, when it's encouraging, when it's bringing hope, when it's bringing life and when it's bringing light. It's not the Holy Spirit if it's condemning you. It's not, it's not death words it's life words so Father I just thank you for every person in this place I thank you for people that aren't even here today for the fellowship we have here Lord is not just people but it's our connection and our community well Father would you go before us this year and deepen our fellowship I pray for everybody that they would find a somebody a few somebodies that they are connecting with in their life that can that can invest in them I pray for every person not only to find a somebody to invest in them but a somebody to give out to Lord somebody to minister to father put 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 it on their hearts holy spirit lead in this place that we would be so devoted to fellowship that we would see that unity of the spirit grow and grow and grow we thank you father that a healthy garden often does need weeding and it's okay so we pray for health i speak health over our church over our families our marriages our lives our workplaces we we'll just give you all the glory. We'll give you all the praise for everything. And everyone said, Amen. Our prayer team will be available as usual. I'm going to hand back to Jess. Thanks.